Um, and that's been another episode of Infinite Rabble. <laughs> <Thanks for joining. laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> okay, here we go. I'll I'll do a little intro. <clears throat> Welcome to another episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole. I am the new guy, Jeff. Today, I am joined by the famous Jeremy and the famous Jake. How you guys doing, my brothers? Famous. Yeah, you're famous. Famously great. I am famous. Famous to, to nobody. That's Whoa. okay. My wife Whoa. knows who I am, and I think she likes me. I'm trying to... <laughs> I think she likes me. Yeah. I've seen the way she looks at you. All right. You guys are, sh- you're, you're shitting on me building you up now. Now I just don't feel good. I'm doing great. It's good to be here. It's good to uh, have you in the host seat. So just like I said for Jeremy last time, I can sit back and not do any work. It's very nice after <laughs> I uh, just slayed it with Caddy. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm ready to go. And I'm interested to see what you, you know, have for us tonight. Because I hear it's going to be pretty bomb. Jeff pulled an old switcheroo on us. He was going to present Valiant Thor, but things came up. That's actually going to be pushed way back. We don't know when we're going to get back to Valiant Thor, but Jeff has a surprise for us. He's bringing a, a different topic to the table that he knows quite a bit about. So, Jeff, what are you going to blow our minds with today, man? Yeah, man. So today I want to get into something that I'm quite passionate about, honestly. It's also my biggest pet peeve when it comes to being a conspiracy theorist, and that is weather modification and geoengineering. Now, the reason it's Mm. right, the reason it's one of my passions is because I personally believe that these types of things are the most important topics of our generation for a whole list of reasons and the reason it's one of my biggest pet peeves is because when you say words like weather modification geoengineering or chemtrails or anything like that most people think you're just a conspiracy theorist right but you are well i am you are i am but but the, the thing is is Mixed in all of the conspiracy theories that I like, there's a lot of conspiracy facts, right? So mm-hmm. that's why it bothers me because it's so... None of the stuff that I'm going to present today is secret information. This is all public knowledge, or at least you would think it is because you, you know, none of it's fake. It's all 100% actual things that have happened and that are happening. So that's why it bothers me when people think that it's just a conspiracy theory you know what i'm saying yeah. oh i understand mm-hmm. quick question will this get us banned from youtube no this mm-hmm. won't this won't this won't well then i don't want to do it <laughs> another thing and i was telling jeremy uh, a little while ago there's actually so many projects and programs that have to do with weather modification that have happened you know over the years that to sit here and do all of it would literally take forever we would be here for like 500 episodes so Mm -hmm. you know maybe when we get down into the third or the fourth time we're talking about this stuff we might get flagged on youtube because some of the things some of the terms (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean some of the terms that are used 
are red flag terms on certain platforms. But that's fine too. Just to verify, you are going to go deeper than when people say that the steam that comes off of nuclear power plants is like filling the sky with clouds. You're going to go deeper than that, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's going to page three of Google. Holy moly. I don't use Google for the 10th <laughs> time. He uses Bing, all right? He's better than us. <laughs> before, <laughs> before Jeff gets going for the day, I want to take a quick second to do a little PSA here. One, don't listen to the entire thing, the entire two minutes that we wasted of your life at the beginning of this episode where we're talking about the Patreon. We shut it down. Patreon's no more. We didn't get a single patron, although I found out that we were right on the verge of getting our first one. Because mm. as soon as I shut it down, I got a message saying, hey, what happened to your Patreon? I was just going to subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, too late. <laughs> you missed the bus. So what we're going to do is all the stuff that was on the Patreon that nobody ever got to listen to uh, will soon be available at some point for everyone to listen to. We're trying to become more fan friendly and not really hide too much stuff from you guys other than old episodes. Like I said before, we're moving to a format where we are shutting down old episodes once they become a year old and we're deciding whether or not that episode is still relevant to the direction that the infinite rabbit hole is going in or if it's just no longer relevant like a lot some of the news episodes where it's like okay why do you want to hear the news from march of 2020 <laughs> you know or 2021 yeah if we're in now in 2022 like who cares about what happened a year ago so obviously all those are going to go away uh they're going to be put into what we're calling the vault and eventually at some point we're going to open up a paid section in anchor where if you guys want to listen to additional content of the infinite rabbit hole older stuff that came out a long time ago where the audio is just downright terrible y'all can make fun of us and you guys want to pay us to listen to our garbage <laughs> then that's on you <laughs> but basically we're we're trying to weed out the stuff that you know where we were going through our growing pains and the stuff that's no longer relevant or no longer pushing in the direction that we are trying to push the podcast in so that stuff's all going to be still available to those who want to subscribe there will be more information on that later right now we're trying to get through this season and that's where our focus is in and then other than that uh before we get going Head on over to infiniterabbithole.com. Check out our website. The thing is awesome. Put a lot of really hard work into it. We put a lot of hard work into our merch shop. I finally got my t-shirt. Oh, I got my t-shirts. Awesome. Dude, I got that. The red raglan. Guys, I'm telling you the raglans are awesome. They're really, really cool. If you like three-quarter sleeve shirts, I'm going to go buy a couple more of these. They're awesome. I'm going to throw away all my long sleeve shirts and just go get raglans. These things are freaking sweet. So th those are kind of like like baseball shirts, right? Yeah, that was yeah, that one that exactly. you had. It was the the white with the red sleeves or whatever. Yeah, it's gray chest with red okay. sleeves, and it's got the the oversized logo on the chest, and it's so cool, man. I love it. I got my uh, October November one in, and I actually posted pictures on our Instagram, and that was just after pulling it out of the dryer. I put a put it through a wash cycle. None of the letters came off. It's uh, 
really nicely screen printed and uh it's not like it's not like they ironed on the logo like we joked about last time where you pull it out and it's just a black t-shirt now but it's a very very nice quality it was very comfortable wore it all day it was superb i'm actually really stoked about it my wife felt the the shirt she's like this is great and she ended up getting a uh, a hoodie or zip up hoodie and a the same t-shirt as well for her but nice yeah, yeah it's uh it's pretty awesome like i'm i'm very impressed by the quality and stuff unfortunately the shipping takes a little bit um but i imagine that's mostly because they they are literally when you make that purchase they're making the product once yep. the product is made, they're shipping the product. It's yeah, not it's like print to order. Like the old school days where like a band was going on tour and they'd have to buy a you know, ten thousand shirts in large, extra large, medium, small, all that stuff and hope that all of them sold. Nowadays it's when you purchase it, the company makes it and then they send it to you. So depending on how big the order is or, you know, how many orders they have to fill that day for all the different podcasts and projects that they're facilitating it could take a little bit but no more than you know mine got here in a week and a half it wasn't terrible right and it was nice right. to show up and it was i'm for the wait time the quality was superb if i it had been a long wait and it came out with like one of those cheap crappy t-shirts and a really bad print job i would have been pissed but it was actually very well worth it and i'm going to be ordering a neck gator here soon because i mean it's just very very good quality speaking of Jeff. yeah I, I got my neck gator today and it is quite badass honestly super comfortable i have a lot of neck gators yeah the this one was nice you know a lot of the ones i have are kind of crappy quality and the one you know that it was good it's nice i don't even know the material because i don't read directions or labels on things but it feels good stretches good <laughs> you know what i mean it looks good on my bald head so it's good man i like it a lot that being said, uh, we're going to have to completely redo our intro, so... <laughs> eventually. Eventually. Yeah. Once enough changes have happened, next year maybe, we'll, we'll get to it. But yeah. So moving on to the actual subject of the day, and why I'm excited about this, is because when I had to fill up uh, the holes that, of the other two hosts that left from last season, I reached out to Jeff, because Jeff is a guy who can bring a different aspect to the infinite rabbit hole. And that aspect is the conspiracy theory guy, right? He is a conspiracy theorist. And if you haven't had a chance to go over and check out his podcast, it's called the Shadow Band Podcast. You're going to get a little taste of it today. Um, I've heard on multiple occasions him bring up this topic, and this guy knows a lot. I know we got to hear him talk about Atlantis, which was a really, really good episode. But this is where Jeff is going to thrive. And I am stoked, Jeff that you chose weather modification because I feel a debate coming on. Hmm. I have some questions. Not that I don't believe it happens. I definitely believe it happens. But as we've kind of chatted about before, it's in the way that it happens. But hmm. I'm going to let you go ahead and take the reins from here, man. This is your episode. And uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready, man. Cool. So yeah, let's, uh, let's do this. So most of this will be something that I typed up. Um, however, probably the last quarter of this, I'm going to wing it because I know you guys like it when I get off of my script and just go off the dome. So that's kind of how we're going to play this one today. So I like it when you get flustered. 
Yeah, you like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just watch them squirm. Look at them. Yeah. Look at them wiggle. Yeah. Anyways, so here we go. This is this is it right here. Weather modification and geoengineering. So most people who hear the term weather modification think it's a modern term and a solution to climate change. Many scientists and universities have proposed methods that could slow down or even stop global warming effects caused by CO2 emissions. On the other side of the coin, you have those who think things like weather modification and geoengineering are nothing more than crazy conspiracy theories. Well, tonight, I'm gonna shatter both of those paradigms and not only shed a light on how old these ideas are, but also prove to the normies that these projects have been and currently are going on around the world. So let's just start from the beginning. The idea that humans can manipulate the weather and in turn the climate goes all the way back to the 1840s with meteorologists named James Pollard Espy, otherwise known as the Storm King. James Espy had a radical idea to increase the amount of rainfall in the eastern United States by burning vast amounts of forests on the west coast. Espy developed a convection theory of storms, explaining it in 1836 before the American Philosophical Society and in 1840 before the French Academy de Sciences and the British Royal Society, and also petitioned Congress and the legislator of Pennsylvania to have his experiments backed and funded. Luckily, he was denied funding, but only because nobody thought he could carry the plans out on an adequate scale, not because they thought it was a bad idea. And there's actually a few more between Espy and the next one, but if we fast forward to 1887, a proposal published by The Atlantic titled How to Change the North American Climate had the bright idea to reroute the Pacific Ocean's warm Coruscio current through the Bering Strait, which would instantly raise the temperatures in the Arctic by 30 degrees, melting the ice caps. None of those sound like a good idea to me, honestly. Uh, but that's just me. Well, I mean, you're going to lose a lot of coastline. Well, Arizona's going to be beachfront property. The idea <laughs> was that with the uh, melting the ice caps, they wanted to 
actually have the you, so you know in the arctic circle there's like a line where the trees stop growing right there's like a latitude yeah. where the, tr the trees stop so they wanted to actually get the trees to grow all the way up to the north pole so that they could you know essentially have more land for people to populate more resources and all these types of things they were also trying to make easier connections between like japan russia the united states northern europe you know, so it had mostly to do with economic gain. So go ahead, Jake. I hear you taking a breath. What are you going to say? I came to a, a question in my head and it caused me to breathe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, thank you for saving my life question. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe one of the dumbest questions I've ever asked, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, the Arctic Circle. Mm -hmm. Is there land underneath the ice yes. that the ice is formed on top of, or is it just ice? No, there is land. Not everywhere. A lot of it is, you know, ocean with glaciers over the top of it. But yeah, there's a whole, probably multiple continents worth of land up there, you know, around the whole right. circumference or whatever. But yeah, there's definitely land up there. So... Did they not think that melting the ice caps would then submerge that land underwater? I don't think they cared. Because it doesn't sound like a very well thought out plan. So real quick, I just want to jump in two things. One, there is no land underneath the North Pole. <laughs> Losers, I knew it. Not the North Pole, <laughs> but in the Arctic Circle, for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. There, there is, de okay. Yes, or like where right. Greenland is. <laughs> well, yeah, well Canada, even Canada, there's a lot Canada. of there's a lot of Canada up in Siberia. I, well, okay, I meant I meant like Antarctica, like the top. Antarctica is the bottom. Really? Hmm. Antarctica is the bottom. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow, this is going to be a long well, episode, or. guys. We're going to have to give this guy a freaking geography lesson. Either or, is there land? Is there land underneath? The ice cubes on the northern and southern parts of the Earth. The southern, yes. The northern, no. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> and if you're a flat earther, the question gets complicated. There's mm. walls. Anyways, and to answer the question about what the line is where the trees stop, it's called the timber line. Timber line, yeah. I've heard that right. before. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, anyways, terrible ideas, but those were just ideas. Right. And, and then none of them ever got any serious backing or funding. Right. So whatever. Mm -hmm. let it, right. We'll let it we'll let it slide. OK. But let's talk about the first time to, uh, Congress appropriated funds to create rain. In 1890, mm. Congress dished out some money and tasked General Robert St. George with using gunpowder explosions, which would trigger friction and generate nuclei to produce rain on the Sea Ranch in Andrews County, Texas in 1891 and continued at San Antonio, Texas in 1892. So that was money from Congress to create rain, okay? And it happened for two years. Mm -hmm. So honestly, and like I was saying earlier, instead of going into great detail about every one of the literally hundreds of weather modification programs over the last 140 years, because we would be here for days and days and days. I'm going to kind of skip over some of the minor projects in the, in the timeline and talk mm -hmm. mostly about the major ones. So 
keep in mind there are a lot more projects that I'm not going to talk about tonight, but you know, I just want to get the point across that these things have been and are going on. So we're going to kind of just mm-hmm. go go down a list of some of uh some of the important ones here. So mm-hmm. in 1916 in San Diego, California, they were suffering from a really bad drought. And they made a deal with a man named Charles Hatfield, who had many times before proved he could make it rain using a combination of about 23 chemicals and large vats that would, quote, attract the rain. Okay, I think he did it like 20, I remember if it was 19 or 29 times. He did it a number of times, provably. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, his experiment caused a massive flash flood that caused millions of dollars in damages, and he never received payment from the city of San Diego because that would imply the city would be at fault. Oh, geez. Okay. So what year was this? 1916. 69? Oh, 16. Jeez. 1916, yeah. That was a long time ago. Over 100 yeah. years ago. Over 100 years ago. Wow. This guy was making it rain. With- and that's infinite rabbit hole math. There you go. <laughs> stuff. (laughs) So here's another one. Between 1946 and 1948, Professor Julian Huxley, a biologist and secretary general of UNESCO, proposed exploding atomic bombs at an appropriate height above the polar regions to raise the temperature of the Arctic Ocean and warm the entire climate of the northern temperate zones. So there's kind of a theme here. I don't know if you guys have caught on yet. They want to melt the ice caps. Okay. Mm, they also want to shut off all the electronics and in, in the They also too. hate polar bears, it sounds like. <laughs> well, <laughs> polar bears and shit. I'm just saying, like. Yeah. Well, isn't that how you, <clears throat> how you set off an EMP is by setting off a nuke in, like, the ionosphere? That's one way. Well, that doesn't sound good. Check this out. The first attempt to modify natural clouds uh, in the field through cloud seeding, okay, began during a flight that began in upstate New York on November 13th, 1946, causing snowfall near Mountain Greylock in western Massachusetts. So 1946 in November was the first time that they actually went out and did what's known as cloud seeding, and it caused snowfall. All right, and, and that's going to be important when we get into the second part of this. <clears throat> this was also about the, the same time in 1946 that silver iodide was used in the first cloud seeding programs. Okay, so they've started using dry ice. Okay, the first experiments with cloud seeding was, oh, how do we use this dry ice to create clouds? And they actually figured out how to do it. And there's another project here I'll read that explains what happened. but. Then, through a few more experiments, they created this new chemical, silver iodide, and that's now, even today, one of the primary uh, chemicals that it's being sprayed that is causing the cloud seeding. Project Cirrus. Have you guys ever heard of Project Cirrus? Mm, I have not. No, but I have heard of silver iodide. That, that's familiar. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Project Cirrus. On October 13th, 1947, 200 pounds of dry ice were dropped through a hurricane 
located about 350 miles east of Jacksonville, Florida, which caused the storm to turn sharply towards the southeastern United States and make landfall near Savannah, Georgia. After, there was a huge public outcry about the project and the damages caused by the storm. Now, why is that important? Because they know how to steer hurricanes since 1947. So then you have to ask yourself, why is it that these hurricanes make landfall and create millions, billions of dollars worth of damage all the time, right? Whether it's here in Florida where I'm at or in Texas or in Louisiana, like Katrina, they know how to steer them. So why do they hit in these populated areas? Makes you think. So they put how many tons did you say? No, no, no. 200 pounds of dry ice. 200 pounds. That's it. And they turned an entire hurricane with 200 pounds of dry ice. That's it. How would that, e- how would that even occur? Because it's a, it's a wind current. So they fly. What they do is they fly an aircraft into the eye wall of the hurricane, and then they release the, the dry ice you know, through, right. I, I believe at the time they were just literally pouring it out the side of these aircraft, right? There wasn't any kind of like special machinery hmm. like there is now to do this. So they're just dumping, you know, dry ice out the side of the plane. And because it's super cooled, right, it would actually cool down the inner eye wall of the hurricane, which would change, you know, the direction of the hurricane is moving. Because, you know, storms and weather patterns, they all move based off of the temperatures of the jet streams and the, you know, the different uh, pressures and stuff like that. So they were literally just changing the internal temperature of the eye wall. And it, again, just caused this hurricane to sharply turn east and bam, right into Savannah, Georgia. Man, this sounds like witchcraft. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. So were they able to do it again? Because good science, you'll be able to repeat what you're doing and get the same as result. Yes. So were they able to repeat it? Because this sounds like it's a, it's a, it was an accident. Like it just happened to turn out that way. Right. right. So in 1952, uh, I think it was for a couple of years, 1952 to 1954, I believe. Uh, is a project called Project SCUD, S-C-U-D. It's the U.S. Navy hurricane modification uh, project. And they were doing pretty much the same thing. They were figuring out how can we uh, control hurricanes, how can we strengthen or weaken hurricanes, and they were using a lot of the same thing, right? So they were using dry ice, silver iodide, and a few other chemicals. I can't think of all the chemicals off the top of my head, but yeah, they were using dry ice, silver iodide, basically, to spray into hurricanes to modify hurricanes. I'm just trying to think, like, if if they were able to get dry ice, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not, not very good with chemistry. Carbon. It's basically carbon. Right. And they, they, they were able to spray it, because dry ice, well, I think it's carbon dioxide, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you might be dry right. Dry ice? Yeah. It's like the solid form of carbon dioxide. It's they were to be able to spray it, you know, in a mist form or in like a powder form. So 200 pounds of it. I know this shit's super light, right? It, it's, it's lighter than normal eyes. There's actually video footage of 
I can't remember if it's Project Scud or if it's Project Cirrus, but there's video footage of them in the plane, you know, doing the project. And they're and they're actually they have a bucket. They literally have like a bucket with dry ice. It's just broken up into small pieces. It's not even dust. It's just like small chunks, right? Like little tiny ice cubes. Really? Yeah, like crushed ice almost. And they're dumping it into like what looks like a funnel that's just going out like the bottom of the aircraft. Hmm. So that's what I was saying. Like they weren't even at okay. this time, they weren't even using like super advanced stuff. Whereas today <clears throat> they have built, uh, and this is something you and I have talked about chatting before today. They have ways mm-hmm. to modify the actual engines of aircraft to be able to spray th- certain chemicals, but also they do, they like use doped jet fuel or spiked jet fuel. So the the fuel that the airlines are burning for commercial aircraft you know what I mean? Those fuels are actually lined with nanoparticulates of certain chemicals like silver iodide and whatnot, so that the exhaust is actually doing the same thing. So, all right. I just, I just looked up silver, silver iodide to kind of inform myself on, on what the heck it is. And yeah, it's exactly what you're saying. DRI.edu says... Most cloud seeding operations, included those run by DRI, use a compound called silver iodide, aid in the formation of ice crystals. Silver iodide ex- exists naturally in the environment at low concentrations and is not known to be harmful to humans or wildlife. However, there's other sources that say that constantly ingesting silver iodide will, especially for pregnant women, will cause fetal death, among other things. Goiters to grow, which are cancers you know massive world tumors and it's just like so which is it is it toxic or is it not toxic well it's not toxic (laughs) in natural low levels but in the high levels that they've been doing for 60 70 years that's probably why and i'm just spitting off the top here i'm just assuming that that's probably why we've seen a drastic increase or one at least one of the reasons we've seen a drastic increase in cancers well there's a drastic increase in a lot of shit you know, at first glance at this, you know, I'm I'm thinking, I, I don't really know how much of this I can actually talk about. Jake and I are aircraft mechanics. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're LARPers at best. <laughs> <laughs> and shills, government shills and paid opposition. <laughs> we are avionics and electricians, and we work on aircraft. <laughs> They're going to be like, these people don't even know what they are. No, it's... <laughs> it's oh. Yeah. Whatever. Liar or not. It doesn't matter. I can tell you right now that I highly doubt that they're mixing anything in with JP5, which is the fuel that we use for naval aircraft. I highly, highly doubt that just because of the sensitivity of the fuel systems. There's a lot of different things. From a military standpoint, I don't see how they could be mixing things in with the fuel when that stuff is tested over and over and over again. Not only is it tested at the fuel farms, but it's tested when uh, when it gets transported, but then it's tested again before every flight. Oh, <sighs> I, well, I'm not necessarily I'm on board with the idea of like cloud seeding, but not on like not well, military aircraft. I mean, I think that would be a waste. We don't fly enough, but commercial. Right. Dude, well, not not counting this last year, right? Where, how high are they flying in commercial aircraft? That's 35,000 feet, 37,000 feet right. around there. Is that high enough to be able to cloud seed? It's higher than the now, clouds. 
No, I know. I get yeah. that. But in order for, I, mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're mixing in something with commercial jet fuel. Maybe I possibly could happen. But even then, all that shit would get burned up in the combustion section of the, well, the, the turbine engines. It doesn't even have to be it doesn't even have to be mixed in with the fuel. They put they could put misters on the back of the plane. Well, yeah, I mean, I, just I literally doubt, like, like I highly doubt they're putting misters on the back of commercial aircraft. Why not? I can see like meteorologists or something along the lines or, or like the, there's a separate government uh, chapter or section of the government that is specifically like they have aircraft specifically for that. You know, I, I, I just don't see them doing that. That's that's more weight that you have to account for, you know, and then on, on top of that, they have to be there. There, there would be a paper trail. There would be. Yeah, they would have just to not pay, accessible by you. Well, they they would have to pay the commercial airlines to mist. You think they're going to do it for free? Absolutely not. No, no. I mean, well, that's what I'm, I'm getting at. Think about it like this, right? They're like, hey, we'll, we'll pitch you guys a billion dollars a year. Which in the grand scheme of things for an airline company is not that big of a deal. Like a billion dollars, like, mm, well, that's, you know, tax Mc- credits. McDonald's probably. makes a billion dollars a year. But just like, you know, yeah, sure, whatever. Tax credit, you know, we'll pay you some amount. We're going to modify your aircraft so that when you're going through the clouds, you're going to spray this into the atmosphere and it's going to assist with, uh, it's going to assist with, per, you know, cooling down the, I don't know exactly how the, the chemical does it, but let's just say cooling down the clouds or helping it to rain or whatever it is, and we'll give you a tax cut. And it's like, if, if I were to report it like that, and I'm not, you know, on a baseline level right now looking at cloud seeding for the first time as like something that actually happens, I'm not for or against the idea. I haven't formulated my opinion so far, but. I've heard of many other government things where they want something done and they have a private industry like the airline industry. Delta is a private company, right? Mm-hmm. United Airlines is a private company. You know, American Airlines is a private company to say, hey, we want something done and we'll give you this incentive if you do this for us. And I don't know. It, it's It's hard to imagine that there isn't some, you know, even if it, if it was for some nefarious purpose, if, if that there's not some greedy, mung, money hungry, don't care about freaking anybody except themselves sort of people that uh, will just do whatever they want because it makes them money. Like uh, me and me and Whitney watched this movie called Dark Waters where they're talking about this uh, this company that was creating Teflon and they were dumping yeah. this chemical called C8 or this compound called C8 into the ground and it was poisoning the water and giving cancer to 70,000 residents of this town. And they covered it up for like 60 years because it would cost them money. And they don't, then they didn't care about the people in their own city, their own workers of their own factory. So like what makes, I don't, again, not for or against the idea, but, but why wouldn't a CEO of an airline be like, yeah, screw all those people that are down there. Eventually they'll die, but until then, we're at least going to get a couple flights out of them. They'll make, they'll make more people. <laughs> I, I totally get that corporations are money-hungry as shit. You know, I, I right. totally on board with that. I understand. Tax credits, okay, I could see it happening. 
but you would notice the nozzles. You would notice these kind of things. There'd be more pictures of them. There, there wouldn't be any way to hide it. You know, you'd have the maintenance crew that has to put them in there and everything that would come forward. I feel like this would be more mainstream, more well-known than it is right now where we're talking about what is generally thought as a conspiracy theory, right? And I'm not saying that it is a conspiracy theory. I absolutely believe that there's weather modification. We just have to think about the the correct way they're doing it. Blimps. Hot yeah. air balloons. There's a hot Zepp- air balloon festival. Zeppelins. In- Let me help you out here, okay? There's a patent out there. and I have other questions too, Jeff. Well, let me break one at a time. You can't hit me with 30 questions. Let me just get to the dope. Let me get to the dope. No, fuel. they you all need to come out now, and I want them all answer at the same politician. time. <laughs> Two minutes. Let me get to the dope fuel, bro. <laughs> Doped fuel. Let's go. All right, listen, listen. Go ahead, Any, anybody ahead. who's got their Google box, if you're still using one, okay, <clears throat> there's a patent. You can go to you can go to Google Patents, okay, and you can look this up. US five zero zero three one eight six a this patent is stratospheric wells box seeding for reduction of global warming okay the, the mm, yes it is application was filed by hughes aircraft company in 1990 and it was granted in 1991 and assigned to raytheon company in 2004 and it does not expire it is a lifetime patent and in this it's a long thing there's a lot of reading there but it literally is oh, uh, and there's schematics and everything too. Scientists propose how to geoengineer contrails with biofuels and sulfur doped jet fuel. 1991, stratospheric wells box seeding for reduction of global warming. 1998, first direct sulfuric acid detection in the exhaust plume of a jet aircraft in flight. Hmm. Boom. Uh, I guess it's hard to argue then, huh? There you go. Hey everybody, bear with us while we take this quick break. Thank you. But yeah, I, I don't think it'd have anything really to do with military aircraft because again, we don't fly enough, you know. Right. But certainly, you know, a million flights a day or whatever it is in the commercial airline industry. I mean, why not? Well, okay, so let's let's go back to silver iodide real quick, right? Is that what it is, silver iodide? I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's that one up, of right? the that's one of the things. Yeah, because that that that's familiar to me. I know what silver iodine is sure. used. It's for rapid temperature loss or lowering, whatever. Anyways, so the question is: is it is it harmful to people? Because that's that's one of the questions that comes up to mind, or one of the concerns of people that are listening to probably this podcast, and they're going to be like. Oh, uh, you know, I I don't want to be breathing this shit. Why is the government doing this to me? Well, just to put everybody at ease, you know, and this is just me thinking here out loud. If anybody out there wants to help the infinite rabbit hole do an experiment, this would be really, really cool if we could find a way to do this. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't, don't, don't do that. Up in the clouds, rain and clouds and stuff is ice particles, right? And when Mm -hmm. it falls down to earth, it heats up and it becomes rain. Well, the same thing with meteors and stuff like that. When we have space particles or space trash that's coming into the the atmosphere of the Earth, it burns up. And even something the size of a car could burn up to absolutely nothing by the time it hits the ground. 
So even though you're talking about the lower stratosphere where rain clouds are, the stuff that hits the ground, the silver iodide, I f- why do I feel like I'm saying that wrong? The silver iodide could be completely gone by the time it hits the ground. I would be more concerned about rain. The first thing that I'm thinking about is how can we test this out, right? Because we can take one test and we can set a cup outside, fill it up with rainwater, test it for silver iodide. I don't even know if that's possible, but I wonder if there is a way to test it, see if it comes out, right? But that's only one one time. Well, what if they didn't run the this uh or there was no aircraft spraying silver iodide into that particular cloud that was raining on you, you would have to do it over, like, let's say the entire United States or the entire world, uh, because we do have a lot of listeners from all around the world on the Infinite Rabbit Hole. Hello, everybody. Hello. I would be very, very interested, you know, if if we wanted to set up some sort of, like, research program for the Infinite Rabbit Hole and see if we can find a way to test for silver iodide in rainwater from all around the world it would be a very very interesting thing here's my thing don't get caught up on the silver iodide too much it is the number one don't tell me what to do it is the number one (laughs) chemical for cloud seeding okay but there are other chemicals and some of them have been people have done the test that you're talking about and they have proven that particulates do fall to the ground and cause problems one of them being aluminum dr marvin your brain listen doc yeah oh yeah it causes alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and all kinds of other shit but dr marvin herndon a phd a nuclear chemist geochemist and cosmochemist most noted for deducing the composition of the inner core of earth as being nickel silicide not particularly crystallized nickel iron metal has published a groundbreaking paper in the peer-reviewed journal current science titled Aluminum Poisoning of Humanity and Earth's Biota by Clandestine Geoengineering Activity. I would love to read that. So, and I'm reading this on newspunch.com right now. But yeah, there, there's a bunch of people who have done studies that have found particularly aluminum, and aluminum is also a fire accelerant. So people have done the tests yes. out in California where all these fires are happening and they've tested groundwater and soil samples and all these other things. And they have found uh, uh, an extremely high level of aluminum nanoparticulates in the soil and water, which, you know, could be a direct correlation to all of the wildfires that are happening. Mm. Hmm. Dang. So check, so check this out. Okay. From, <clears throat> from 1956 to 1967, 11 years. Federal agencies conducted Project Skyfire, which was aimed at preventing forest fires with cloud seeding using silver iodide nuclei, sodium iodide, and silver iodide acetone solutions in a propane flame. This is like the Hegelian dialectic, the problem reaction solution. That's what my take from all of these different programs are. Um, and I have more listed here, but you know what? I believe personally, it's just me speaking here. I think that they are doing things like spraying uh, aluminum nanoparticles, right? And they, they might have one reason for that. Oh, it'll do this, right? Also, mm-hmm. it'll be an accelerant and cause fires. And then we can say climate change bad. 
So they know what the problem hmm. is going to be because of their experiments, but they already have a pre-planned solution to feed us at the end of the day to say, oh, okay, now we got to hit you with the carbon taxes or whatever, 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 because of climate change. Even though these corporations like Raytheon, right, are doing the thing that's causing the, the problem. So here's another study, and I don't know, I'm just spitting this one off the top of my head because I don't know all the facts on this particular study or who, who published this. There's a study out there that shows that one contrail, okay, one contrail from a plane literally traps more of the black belt radiation from the earth, okay, the, the radiation that the earth emits out into space. One contrail can trap more of that here and cause more of a greenhouse effect than all of the planes that have flown since the beginning of aviation. Now, look up in the sky on any given day and count how many contrails you see out there. And then ask yourself, yeah. who's causing the, the quote-unquote climate change? Jeez. Okay. Ah, <sighs> uh, man. Okay. You ready for another one? Or you got a question? Uh, I'm trying to see if I can say a question without sounding dumb. Um, I mean, I asked if there was land underneath the North and South Poles. So, I mean, yeah, well, you know what? It's not, I'm not you. So that's, that's, that's me. Damn. That's right. You're um, on your own Jeremy level of dumbness. I'm on my own. My own dumbness. dumbness. I mean, let me be stupid <laughs> in my own way. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, go ahead. Let's hear it. So this one, this next one is actually, it would fall under a, a little bit different of a category, space weather engineering okay or modification so in 1958 and, and i'm gonna mess these names up because they're russian but in 1958 m gorodsky and valentin cherenkov right you have to say it with a russian accent m jorgoski no. <laughs> and valentin cherenkov proposed placing a ring of metallic potassium particles into Earth's polar orbit to diffuse light reaching Earth and increase solar radiation to thaw the permanently frozen soil of Russia, Canada, and Alaska and melt polar ice. Project Skywater from 1961 to 1988. Project Skywater, Atmospheric Water Resource Management utilized cloud seeding to manage water resources on the ground. Ask yourself, why are aquifers dry? Why are there droughts? They know how right. to manage water resources using cloud seeding. Mm -hmm. Right. I can spray a cloud, make it rain. Why are there fires burning in California? If we could just make it rain. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. That, that's, that's a, I mean, that's a question that I had is that, California has been in a drought for 10 years, right? The only thing I can think of of why it would be beneficial to have California starving for water is this is where a majority of the food from, like, you know, the United States and beyond comes from is California. The Central Valley is, is like, dang near the Garden of Eden when it comes to how things grow here. Yeah. And, and it's well, very, very important for us to have water, but yet we've been in this 10 year long drought, <laughs> you know, while they can make it and rain. all of our forests are burning up. Right. Yeah. It all goes back to the like agenda 2030 thing. You know, they want everybody out of the rural areas and they want everybody into uh, smart cities. So they have to do it over. That's an episode you should do over here. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, we'll do that one day. But that's basically the that's the gist of it though. From from that particular aspect, you know, they want they don't want you living in certain areas. So what do they do? They cause a drought. They don't do the the forest management, you know, like where they send out crews to clean right. up the dead debris in forest. The underbrush right? they, and yeah. Right. So they cut the funding for that. They spray aluminum nanoparticles. They don't do the cloud seeding. So there's droughts. Boom. You got fires. Now half of California, people don't live in those areas anymore because now they're moving to more populated areas because that's all there is left. You know what I'm saying? They're all mm. moving to Texas. That too. Well. And, and Idaho. You know, and that is, that is something that has happened very uh, well within the last decade in California was the funding that was cut for forestry management, which included the, you know, cleaning up of the underbrush, the deadfall, all those different things. You got like a foot of pine of dead pine needles waiting for some, you know, some person with a lit cigarette to flick it into it so it can burn down half the state. Either that um, or just a hot day. Yeah. Yeah. Actually they uh you know, being someone that is going to be getting into pig hunting very soon, one of the things that they are like, hey, whenever you stop your vehicle, make sure you stop it over like a dirt patch so that the heat from your exhaust doesn't set the grass on fire. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) legit, right? I believe it. And so there's that. Of course, the state has its own problems because all of the water uh, reservoirs and everything and the... uh, the power grid was built when the state was, you know, half the size population wise, and it was just never updated. So all of the excess water coming off the mountains gets funneled straight out into the Pacific Ocean versus where everyone's living. So that is a huge issue. But yeah, I mean, that was that was Jeff. That was a question that I had because, you know, Jeremy and I were kind of like talking about this a little bit uh, today and it, or today or yesterday. But I was just like. You know, if if they have cloud seeding technology, then why is, you know, obviously there's Midwest, you know, a lot of grains, all that sort of stuff. But the fruits and vegetables coming from California, well, I mean, they're not doing very well because it's being starved of water. You know, I mean, it, it rained here in Southern California um, a few weeks ago, and I think they said it was the first time in 11 months that it rained. And it was it was a good sized storm. It was like two days. You know, we had a cool lightning storm and all that sort of stuff. And it was it was pretty pretty good. It was like a Virginia class storm. Like it was you know things that we deal with every day over there. But eleven months without rain. Yeah, if they can control the weather, why the heck aren't they doing that? Right. And then it makes me think. You know, what would be the incentive for not doing that? for allowing a place to just dry up completely and then having these horrific forest fires. And I agree, Jeff, that makes a heck of a lot of sense that, you know, pushing people out of rural areas where they can't be, you know, governed as strictly as they could in cities, you know, like, uh, you know, our major cities in California, San Francisco, LA, you know, mm-hmm. Sacramento, well, you know, the, the capital, reason. all that stuff. Here, here's another reason. It's a, uh... It's the circle jerk of corporatocracy, okay? So here's an example, uh, fracking. Fracking uses a right. hell of a lot of water, okay? I don't know the exact number offhand, but I think it's something like your average fracking uh, program or whatever will take up like 6 million 
gallons of water from an aquifer. Okay. And they'll Jeez. do the fracking, they'll drain the aquifer. The fracking companies, they their sister companies, okay. So it's essentially the same freaking companies, do cloud seeding. So then they'll pay the the with the money they get for the fracking. Oh, here's the other part. So they do the fracking, they drain the aquifers. The byproduct is methane, which is way mm-hmm. more of a greenhouse issue than CO2. So that gets released into the atmosphere, okay? Causes way more global warming, right? Than CO2. Right. Then they pay their sister company who cloud seeds to fill the aquifers back up. So it's the circle jerk of of corporatocracy on top of the agendas. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Yeah. Man, if you don't (sighs) like being uncomfortable, this is not the episode for you. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, it, it gets worse. It gets worse, man. It gets worse. So listen to this. Okay. This is this this one right here blows my mind. Okay. And this is real. Uh October 21st, 1961. Project West Ford. Probably one of the stupidest projects done in the 60s. They launched 480 million copper dipole antennas into orbit to allow long distance communications by bouncing radio waves off a band of small wires. What? What? Yes. They launched 480 million copper dipole antennas into orbit to allow long-distance communications. Copper dipole antenna. Mm -hmm. They're literally like little hairs. I I found a picture of it. They're like little, they look like little tiny hairs. You could fit, I don't know, a bunch of them on a fingertip. And they launched those things into orbit. So now, you know, when people talk about like, oh, space debris, right? Like eventually there's going to be too much debris in space and we won't be able to get out there safely. Well, 480 million of these little copper freaking antennas are floating around out there because some dildo had an idea to do that. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I mean, no one owns space, so give it a shot, I guess. (laughs) Debatable. (laughs) That is debatable. So here's the a fun lizard one. people own space, but that's beside the point. Here's a fun one for everybody. All right, this is a quote, and I'm going to do it with a little accent because it's fun. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> it lays the predicate and foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer and ultimately to control the weather. And he who controls the weather will control the world. Vice President Johnson, Southwest Texas State University, 1962. Jake, you just found your uh, the spot where you can add some music, dude. I was I was just thinking of that. And it's funny <laughs> that he said 1962 because I was about to be like, I'm about to put some 1950s newsreel music over that. <laughs> 1960s now. I mean, he did a good intro in the beginning, which I'm happy about. I can do it right there, but I'll do it twice. Here's here's another one. April 26th, 1986. Russia used cloud seeding over Belarus to prevent Moscow from receiving radioactive rainfall from the Chernobyl nuclear reactor meltdown. Well, they had to do something. Well, here's the thing, right? Uh, preventing and causing the rain. We've been talking about this kind of the whole, the whole episode. In, in uh, the uh-huh. Vietnam uh, conflict, right? I don't remember. I think it was Operation Popeye. I might be wrong about that. Somebody might call me out for that. But I think Pop- Operation Popeye... They were literally changing the monsoon season. They were making the monsoon season longer in Vietnam. Oh, that's fun. 
the thing that already kills a whole mess of people every single year? Yeah, well, wasn't killing enough, so we had to make it longer. They're killing too many of our troops, so let's extend that monsoon season for a while. No problem. Don't even get me started on Agent Orange. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spraying defoliants that literally just... Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's still people being born with five arms from that. So Yeah. Any good news in this episode? I mean, no, there's none. There's no good news in this episode. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, but that's that's all I got for the script. But here's what I want people to do. Okay, people can go. You can Google weather modification programs, or you can go to noaa.gov. N o a a. dot gov, and in their library, they have a weather modification project reports. Okay, and I'm just going to read this little paragraph. It's the public publication history and scope in the late 1940s and 1950s many deemed the deliberate or inadvertent alteration of atmospheric conditions by human activity also known as weather modification as a promising science of the future currently the most common form of weather modification is cloud seeding which increases rain or snow usually for the purpose of increasing the local water supply Weather modification can also have the goal of preventing damaging weather, such as hail or hurricanes, from occurring. As part of Public Law 92-205, all non-federal weather modification activities must be reported to the U.S. Secretary of Commerce via the NOAA Weather Program Office. Below is a list of these reports and is updated on an annual basis. So again, on NOAA's website, There is, let me see how many pages there are. There is 81 pages of programs that all, and each page has, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 results on it. So you do the math, you know, a thousand programs, Mm -hmm. okay? A thousand programs that are non-federal because the law only states that non-federal weather modification activities have to be reported. So all the federal stuff only you're going to you're only going to get it from FOIA requests which there's plenty of those if people look for FOIA weather modification there's a whole long list of those too but yeah there's over a thousand on NOAA's website right now for non-federal programs i just learned some really crazy shit about the government and FOIA you ever wonder why there's a lot of contractors to take military jobs like for example Let's take the weather modification, right? I'm just going to use that as an example. Might say some stupid shit here. I don't know. Let's say that they wanted to come up with a way to make it rain in the deserts of Africa. For some reason, this was a top secret project. And so instead of the government or the military taking control of this, they will actually contract it out to civilian contractors and twist the name of things like this happened with ufos and uaps the reason why uap became so popular a lot of people don't know this is because there were so many different foia requests for things regarding ufos when it came down to like roswell and some other really really popular things and that they ended up changing the the whole terminology to UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, mm-hmm. because in a FOIA request, if you're asking for something, 
it needs to match specifically. So they can refer to something that is dually familiar, but call it by a different name. And they do not have to grant your request because you did not call it out by name. So when FOIA really started picking up about all these UFOs, the government made a quick switch and they changed all the titles to UAPs. So when they went through their their records and everything looking for quote unquote UFO, they obviously they were coming across unidentified aerial phenomena stuff, but that's not what people were requesting. So now there's this whole theory out there now that with the government coming forward with all this UFO and UAP stuff is that actually the government and all these these hidden programs are actually calling UFOs and UAP something different now so that they they don't have to release all of the information that they found that's new information. So all the information that came out this spring was all the stuff on UFOs and UAPs because that's what was ordered by Donald Trump. But all the real stuff that has a different terminology for UFO is not coming coming out. But now let's go back to contractors. Civilian contractors are contracted out of the government. Anything found or done within those contracts to these private companies do not fall under FOIA. FOIA is federal. It is only the government, only the military, anything that mm-hmm. is government-based. So when they say that we're going to do this, right, and it's top secret, but we're going to make these civilian people do it, we're going to make them all sign non-disclosure agreements, we're going to run everything, we're going to tell them what to do, but they're going to they're gonna be the, the, the name on top of the whole thing, right? So when someone goes, we need... Are we're going to fill out a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act. I don't know if we went over that. Uh, we're going to fill out a FOIA request to mm-hmm. get all the information on cloud seeding in the deserts of Africa. You're not going to find anything because the government doesn't have that paperwork. The private company does, and they don't have to give up. They actually can't give up anything when it comes to the Freedom of Information Act. Right. And this goes back to the uh, Wells box seating patent that I brought up earlier that was given to Raytheon. Right. So, you know, we, mm-hmm. you, like you're saying, you could go do a, a FOIA request on Wells box seating all you want. You're not going to get anything because a, a private corporation, Raytheon, is doing the programs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the government and, didn't fucking do anything. Right. Exactly. And that's how they get away Quote, with unquote. doing a lot of this stuff. But then at the same time, here's the thing that's the kicker at the same time. These big corporations like Raytheon will go and lobby the government, have them pass laws in their favor. So it's another mm-hmm. jerk of corporatocracy. You know what I mean? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fit Bigfoot into this episode again because I love doing that. But a little <laughs> while ago, uh, the FBI or the CIA, one of the two, I think it was the FBI, was hit with a Freedom of Information Act request on the topic of Bigfoot. And they came out with like a couple pages of whatever they had on it. And it was nothing. It was literally nothing. It was like a DNA something that they sequenced and ended up not being Bigfoot. It ended up being a deer hair or something like that. And the whole Bigfoot community blew up and was like, oh, see, there it is. There it is. And a whole bunch of people jumped off the Bigfoot bandwagon. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're like, yeah, you know, there it is. FBI, they can't go against the Freedom of Information Act. They have to put out everything. Well, that's because the government probably contracted anything out. Like if the government was tracking Bigfoot for any reason, don't know why they would, they're not going to do it themselves. 
they're going to have a private contractor full of veterans, which is what most veterans end up doing. They end up going to work for these civilian contractors and continue doing the job that they did in the military, just on the civilian side of things. Those are the people like the forestry, the department of uh, the interior isn't going to do it. But the people that retired from the department of interior or moved on from government work and now is doing the civilian equivalent. Those are the people that are going to be tasked with it and they're going to be hit with NDAs. And when you put it in a FOIA request, you're not going to get anything back. So that Mm -hmm. whole thing that came out with the FBI about their, their information on Bigfoot, it's literally not relevant whatsoever. Damn. I have a conspiracy. Oh yeah. Jeff has a few too. Yeah. No, no. I, it just, it just occurred to me. And I just wanted to throw it out there. So, and I, I like what you said there, Jeremy. Before, I don't want to just jump right <laughs> jump right away from it and be like, anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like what you said there, Jeremy. And, and yeah, me. I, I agree with that, that, you know, people think that they're getting all the information from the Freedom of Information Act. But, you know, if it's not, if it's not required for private companies to divulge anything, then, honestly, any FOA request is just getting the basic stuff as bare minimum as you could possibly want because, I mean, you know, my wife is a government contractor, right? She does the same job she did in the Navy, but privately. She works with the federal government or the Department of Defense, but she is in her own private company. And I'm not going to say what the name of it is, but you know, it's exactly the exact same job, except she's a civilian and she's doing this. And the federal government doesn't do absolutely everything. They don't have the man, the manpower to do absolutely everything. 300 and what, 20 something million people in this country. It would be a lot more feasible for them to hire private entities to do their dirty work or their business or whatever it is, good stuff, even, you know, than to rely on government workers to do, you know, literally federal government workers to do that. And uh, they just don't have the manpower for it. And there's plenty of private companies that are willing to, you know, do whatever it is they got to do to make money. You know, it's a business. But if they're excluded from a FOA request, then you know, it makes sense that we wouldn't get really anything about anything, honestly, Mm -hmm. at all. Like weather, Sasquatch, you know. UFOs, yeah, everything. Yeah, everything. You know, it's just like, it's just, there's just no way, right? Even, even our freaking, our ships, our missiles, everything, nothing is made by the federal government. It's all made by private companies. This is why you have people like me out here who literally don't believe anything, right? Like, so I've listed off all these programs tonight, but, you know, of course, there's still that little part of me that's like, well, maybe none of that's actually happening. And it's just to get people like me all riled up and distracted from pick, take your pick. You know what I'm saying? Right. And stressed out and freaking the fuck out whenever the spotlight comes on their house, thinking it's a swamp ape about to kill them. Don't right. say that. Why you got to say that? Man? Now I'm scared. <laughs> now I'm scared, dude. He's got PTSD from that, all right? <laughs> but yeah, but that's all I got for the weather mod. I mean, that's not all I got, but that's all I got for tonight's 
presentation again i don't want to keep everybody for 36 days straight here going over all the things but if anybody wants more just you know hit us up and let us know because i'll do this again this is again this is one of my favorite topics and i think it's the most important topic so if anybody likes this type of shit just shoot us a message man let me know jeff help me out here my conspiracy that i just discovered so (laughs) national oceanic and atmospheric administration obviously n-o-a-a is an acronym right but it's pronounced noah Mm -hmm. jeff who is noah he's the dude with the boat he's the dude who put his family he's the biblical character who put his family and two of each kind of animal on a ship because the earth flooded and killed every living thing on the planet. Now, whether you believe it or not, that's entirely up to you. I, you know, personally, I, I do believe it, but, you know, and you, you can't tell me anything that's going to change my mind, but I, see I don't know. They, are they, they, don't are do... they telling us something? Yes, they are. Is they don't do that kind of stuff on accident. That type of thing where they will name something after something else is totally done on purpose. I mean, like, um, uh, like the term uh, algorithm, right? There's like a, mm-hmm. I think it's a Greek god. I might be wrong about this, so if I get this wrong, please don't rip me a new one. But I think there's like a Greek god named Algo, or maybe it was Roman or something. And it was, mm-hmm. and if you look up like the terminology uh, of where the word Algo comes from and all these things, it's literally has something to do with like, um, causing distress and causing, uh upheaval and thing, things like that and if you think about what today what algorithms are doing they're doing just that and it's just another example of like what you're saying they do this subliminal messaging or this predictive programming where they'll be like yeah noah is that character with that story or you know again it could be real or not right. i'm just saying but then they'll have this agency that has everything to do with the, what are we doing to the world right and are we going to cause flooding right. by melting the ice caps or whatever the case is also called noah yeah totally i'm on board i obviously think what weather modification does happen yes that i'm on board with if it's but for sinister <laughs> reasons i don't know i i don't like living an uncomfortable life i don't like sitting here being freaked out about everything i'd rather just stick my nose in a bigfoot book and worry about you know this mythical ape that lives out in the- you gotta worry about this you gotta worry about yellowstone all kinds of bro. stuff you got cognitive dissonance is a real bitch sometimes you know what i'm saying i get it i get it man i get it I gotta, I gotta prioritize the things i'm concerned about and i'm concerned about bigfoot being safe so <laughs> I, I love it bigfoot's not gonna matter when yellowstone yellowstone turns north america into a crater <laughs> dude that was a scary episode not gonna lie yeah that could be tomorrow that could be we might not wake up so I definitely have questions and, you know, I, I you know, the fans to think about it and, you know, we don't necessarily need to hit on this because, I mean, we're already at over an hour and 15 minutes here, but, you know, we brought up some really good questions, you know, if they have the technology, I'm still a little sketchy on that. I need to do some research, but if they have the technology to steer hurricanes, mm-hmm. why is New Orleans getting whacked over and over and over again in Houston? Right, it is kind of strange how it is. Big cities that are getting whacked. There, I guess there really isn't very many small cities along the Gulf Coast. 
although there is at the same time like they're they definitely could be hitting some of these smaller areas but they are they are whacking the shit out of some of these big ones mm-hmm. and i'm from i'm from st pete tampa right i mean i was born in connecticut but i spent a good amount of my time in st petersburg which is right next to tampa and it just makes me think like tampa's a big place you know what if that's right in the crosshairs here which i i have family and friends there and you know my thoughts go off to you guys. I hope you guys are paying attention to the weather and everything. And then also the question about California. You know, if, if we have the ability to create rain, which mm-hmm. I know that we do, you know, in some sort of form of fashion, because there are these, even farmers with large crops, they have these large cannons that they use and they sound a bur- they send a burst of sound waves out into the, the sky and it actually can create small storms or small sprinkles or heavier dews at night i don't know what they're what they're called i'm sure if you just looked up farm rain cannon or something you could probably figure out what i'm talking about but they do exist uh they they have been able to uh influence rain just by sound alone um so weather modification yes absolutely i'm on board 110 percent a hail cannon? Yeah, that's. I think that's what it is. Am I on board with it being sinister? I don't know. Are they trying to do something the right way? The only way I'm, the only thing I'm thinking about how this could be sinister is for money making purposes, like that whole thing you you said with fracking. Hundred percent believe that. Um, yeah. I do believe that money is a big player in a lot of things. Um, yeah, man, dude, super impressed with this episode, dude. This was this was a mind fuck. And I think that people like, you know, just to reiterate what Jeff said, if you are interested in Jeff blowing your fucking mind with some more conspiracy theory shit, this dude has a ton of stuff. And I know he can go deeper into this weather modification. Hit us up. Let us know. Is this something that you want to see more of? Because we can do it. We can we can put a, a regular rotation of jeff's crazy tinfoil hat conspiracy theories in with all the ufos and bigfoot and yellowstones and and crazy stuff that we do we can make it a regular thing let us know we need to know if not this is going to become a podcast about national park mysteries and death you know i have a uh a really good metal song that i'm going to try to work into the intro for this <laughs> okay i've been waiting for something like really really like Something to really bother people and <laughs> put more metal in because <laughs> that Yellowstone episode. I'm totally gonna do it. But Jeff's no, this, in a band. This has been it really. Yeah, never talked right, about Jeff? band. It's Say called the Tinfoil Hat Hatsketeers. Are don't you play bass? Uh, I play guitar, bass, piano, program drums, play synth. You never heard. Oh, Jake's never listened to your podcast, so he he's never heard uh, the the, uh, the I, intro. That's Jeremy. Hey, I'm gonna you know what, I'm gonna take to this opportunity podcast. to actually plug my own music. Anybody can go to SoundCloud.com/slash Wise the Sleeper or SoundCloud.com/slash Time Slip eighty four. That's all your boy. Enjoy, Time Jeff Fernandez. I'm gonna start using it for the intros. Do it, bro. Time Slip eighty four, <laughs> some synthwave eighties style synthwave music it's dope okay anyway so (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh, jeff that was that was a cool episode i liked it 
I liked it a lot. And I liked it more because it wasn't crazy conspiracy heavy because you had more facts to back it up versus open-ended questions of, I don't know, who knows, you know, because you're like, here on this article, you can see this. Here on this article, you can see this. You can see this patent right here. I like that a lot more because I'm not a, I'm not a huge conspiracy guy. Um, I f- feel that most of them are complete horse crap and just something for people to kind of get all worked up over. Um, but I mean, there's a difference between a conspiracy and a, hey, this actually happens. Here's all the evidence behind it. And I really mm-hmm. like that because, you know, there's more real-world consequences to things that actually happen versus things that could have possibly happened or maybe happened. And, you know, I mean, hey, why not? Because of this whole FOA thing, you know, Freedom of Information Act thing, um, as far as we know, most of the conspiracies floating around out, out there are true. And just because the federal government refuses to answer it doesn't mean it ha- doesn't exist because maybe they just they just don't do anything with it. And we're not, you know, getting information from the right people. For the record, everything that I listed off tonight is anybody can find those projects. All of those projects 100% happened no, without a doubt. They're all verified. So this is a super cool episode. I appreciate you uh coming in here and blowing our minds and stuff. You know, this is clearly something that you know really well and i i love seeing you just you know i have listened to a couple of your, <laughs> of your podcasts and i'm gonna have to start listening more because i don't know i i hear conspiracies and i just get a bad taste in my mouth because you know it reminds me of that guy that i i went to high school with that said that like the world trade centers never existed that there were holograms the whole time and i'm like all right well Stick, stay away from those people, you know. The, the terms are what really matters. The term conspiracy theories or theorists was developed by the CIA after the JFK assassinations to debunk all the people who had theories about his assassination. The difference is, yes, I have lots of conspiracy theories. But like I was saying earlier, there, there's a difference between a conspiracy theory and a conspiracy fact. A conspiracy is only two or more people behind closed doors conspiring to make something happen, which is literally mm-hmm. everything. A- anything you can imagine right. is, I mean, we are a conspiracy. When we sit behind closed doors and we come up with what episodes we're going to do, we're conspiring to do that. You know what I'm saying? So, conspiracies, mm-hmm. the term conspiracy has just been demonized. Conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. I can see how that's questionable. Scary words. Well, I like this episode of cold hard facts to scare the masses. Because yeah. I mean, if it's true, you know, people people should know about it. People should know what's going on. You know, whether it has any nefarious purpose or not, you know. Yeah. Hopefully this people will listen to this and they'll they'll become informed, right? Yeah. It affects all of us. That's yeah. why I think it's the most important. Red or blue or religious or non religious, whatever gender you are, this type of thing affects everybody. So if you breathe air and eat food and drink water, you're affected by this. <laughs> so listen up. <laughs> uh, good episode, man. You got anything else for, for all the kids listening? Uh, I mean, yeah, I got plenty more. Like I said, just let me know if you want more of it, and we got plenty more to go on it. Well, that's been another episode of The Infinite Rabbit Hole. Again, if you guys want to hear Jeff talk some more crazy tinfoil hat stuff, 
hit us up let us know <laughs> we're always down uh we, we want to expand the catalog of the infinite rabbit hole into some of this conspiracy stuff some very interesting stuff jeff brought to the table today um uh, i do say that he's definitely got me thinking but until next time when we're going to talk about something special for our thanksgiving day special i'm not going to tell you what it is i know that i lied and i said i would do that every, every at the end of every episode but we do have something really special set up for you to enjoy for thanksgiving it's a conspiracy he's conspiring hey conspiring <laughs> no he's just one person <laughs> bye until next time we'll see you in the next path of the infinite rabbit hole Thank you.